What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the state. All right, of let's do this. Network. From the Pink Seats Podcast. I am your host, Jacob Lane. It's joined by always my good friends here, Matthew McGavick of the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated, as well as Vincent Lococo. How are we doing tonight, fellas? I'm doing pretty good myself. It's my favorite time of the year. The temperatures are starting to go down. I I held out as long as I could, man. I'm I'm typically the kind of guy that loves the cold weather, but the other day it just got way too damn cold for my liking, and I finally had to kick on the heat in here. Okay. All right. Vince, what about you? I'm great as well. I mean, I'm enjoying the weather a little bit. I'm more of a jeans and boots kind of guy anyway, so this is kind of perfect for me. Okay. All right. So this is quickly becoming a weather podcast. All right. <laughs> um, so I know that you guys, like, I just know, like, you admire me already for being your friend and your co-host, but I have to brag on myself here, uh, I think, maybe. You tell me. But I was texting you all that I was trying to get home quickly before the show so that I could be on time and be here for you guys. Um, and in the process of doing so, I housed a full Jersey Mike's Chipotle cheesesteak in the car in about five minutes, just for Good you guys. God. I did it. I feel terrible right That's now. I'm going to update throughout the show how I'm feeling because I feel pretty bad. Uh, literally five minutes, I destroyed that sandwich. Oh, I'm just expecting you at some point during this pod just to let out a giant belch. <laughs> I do feel a little burpy, and I'm drinking Diet Mountain Dew, so it doesn't help. Oh, you're just adding fuel to the fire. Then. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be bad. Yeah, so I might have to <laughs> occasionally pause and, and put my microphone on mute so that I can burp. Um, but I, I learned from my brief time in radio not to drink you know, sodas and eat things that will make you burpy. And here we are. I just housed a sandwich on, on freaking Gene Snyder on the way home. All right. Well, you didn't come here for sandwich and weather. You came here for Louisville football. A lot going on here. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Um, Some some breaking news this evening um, as we are recording on a Thursday night. Uh, Some nice recruiting news for Louisville. We're going to dive in and talk about that. Uh, And then, as always, we'll we'll jump into the big big three headlines, the biggest news stories surrounding Louisville football. Um, And then, of course, Vince's Game Notes, the best segment in sports, baby. 
Uh, and then we'll look at uh, what happened to NC State last week. Another really disappointing loss. Disappointing loss, I think, is going to just be the catchphrase of the season because it feels like every week I'm opening with that. It, disappointing loss. To be the, the title of this podcast episode and the next podcast episode. or in, yeah. You know. yeah, part two, part three, part four, right. Uh, but Louisville loses a, a game that, that I, I still I still stand by the fact that they should not have lost that game. I will take that with me. They outplayed NC State in just about every faucet of that faucet, facet, faucet, facet. Is that facet? In every facet, not, facet. not every faucet. That they I know. I was going to say, it didn't sound right, but it. I'm looking it, at a faucet right now. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, they outplayed NC State and still walked away with a, a, with a loss. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and then we'll look at Clemson. Louisville is going to play Clemson in a game that Louisville uh, is not favored to win, but very well could win. College football is drunk here in 2021. We'll dive into all of that tonight. But let's start at the top of what we, we talked about just a second ago. The big. Uh, news for Louisville football is recruiting, uh, and it could not have come at a better time for Scott Satterfield getting the commitment from four-star defensive end uh, Selah Brown out of Louisville Mayo High School. One of the, uh, I think he is the top player in the state in the class of 2022. No, what top three, top four? Uh, Dane, Dane uh, he's the number two. Dane number Key, two. the okay. is wide receiver out of uh, Frederick Douglass and Lexington. He's the number okay. one guy. Thank I you. I mean, he's not far behind. Down. Sure. Uh, but Louisville picks up the top Louisville kid, uh, which is a, yes. a topic on this show that we have talked significantly about being able to recruit the city. That's something that uh, Matt, you and I have followed for a long time and seen a lot of disappointing L's over the last uh, two years, particularly even the end of the, the end there of the by Petrino era. And then obviously Vince, you, you a Louisville guy walked on at Louisville. You've got perspective. I'm sure that when, um, you know, new Louisville players, guys from the city came into the program that uh, you were one that could connect with them off being from this place. So I'm sure you've got some insight into this, but Sailor Brown, like I said, four-star defensive end, um, picks Louisville over Northwestern, Illinois, and just a random UK hat that I swear that somebody just put up there just just to be funny. I, I'm pretty sure he put that there just to troll Kentucky. I'm, I'm convinced that's why I was there. I hope so. I mean, hey, we can, we can almost – like kind of thank Kentucky for this commitment in a way, because if that visit doesn't happen where Selah goes down for that game, I don't even know who they play. He's getting the VIP treatment and then comes back and Louisville's like, Oh shit, this is going to happen again. We got to go out and recruit this guy. And sure enough, here we are. He said, man, he, he said tonight, he's always wanted to play for Louisville. You were there. You got to, to feel the vibe of the room. You looked great on the live stream. I can point out that that Matthew McGavick bald head just about anywhere. It's like a. The it, it's of been like a couple head. weeks since I've I've shaved my head recently, so it, I've got a little bit of fuzz going on top of my bald dome right now. Yeah, you got the, the cul-de-sac is what I call that. Goes all oh, the way Jesus. around, but it's got a little entry to get out. It's the cul-de-sac, man. Uh, yeah, but you were there. <laughs> tell me, tell me about what what tonight was like. What what was the vibe? Um, obviously, not surprised. I don't think that he committed to Louisville, but uh, just give me your thoughts. No, I, I think he was leaning a little for a while. And obviously, like he said, he's always wanted to go to Louisville. But in the end, Illinois made a pretty heavy push. I mean, Northwestern, I mean, by definition, they were in the mix. But in reality, it was kind of a two-horse race out of those three schools. It was between Illinois and Louisville. And Illinois gave it their best shot. But Asela said that he's actually – was has been committed to Louisville silently for about a week and a half, two weeks now. And prior to that, he wanted to sleep on it for a few nights, make sure that was the right decision that he wanted to come to, and then ended up pulling the trigger on there. He, I think he originally wanted to try and commit that week, but since it was the male manual game, he wanted to not have that distraction and kind of just focus on beating my poor annual crimson rams but um anyway you didn't see the live stream so you didn't get to see all the the lanual uh references i'm oh, assuming geez. that's manual 
<laughs> just assuming trying to connect the dots there that that's um, manual manual got their ass beat there's there's no two if i think they had negative two yards on the game i'm pretty sure they they got wolves <laughs> but uh yeah he and when we were talking to him in the um just in the media scrum afterwards he he was genuinely happy to not only commit to Louisville, but to get this whole process over with because Louisville's been talking to him for two years now. I think they gave him like a not a, a concrete offer because you can't do that until like later in the recruiting calendar, but they gave him like a verbal scholarship offer all the way back in 2019. I mean, they, they've been on him since his freshman year and this has just been in his ear constantly. And he said, I think his exact quote was a unbreakable relationship or something along those lines with the little staff between him, Satterfield, Mark Ivy, Cord Dennison. And that proved to be the deciding, the deciding factor between Louisville, Illinois, and Northwestern. Interestingly enough, uh, Illinois has come into Louisville before and won a couple of recruiting battles. Um, 2011, I think was that I know for sure, John Davis, I graduated with him at Eastern high school, went on to play at Illinois Never made sense why he didn't go to Louisville. It was a time when Charlie had just gotten here and they needed a tight end. Uh, and then Justin Green, who played at Louisville Mail, went on to play at uh, Illinois, played a little bit of cornerback and running back. Those guys never really reached their potential to what their recruiting ceiling was. Um, and it just never felt right watching these kids who grew up here or who had lived in Louisville go off to play at Illinois, right? And so it's right. great to see Scott Satterfield win this. This is a recruiting battle. If you tell me, at any point in a recruiting landscape, I don't care if it's 2021 or if it's 2005, if it's Louisville, Illinois, and Northwestern, Louisville should win that recruiting battle 10 out of 10 times. No ifs, ands, or buts. And so to see Scott Satterfield and the Louisville staff hear a lot of the noise, I think the Tyler Griever interview of Selah Brown a couple months ago was instrumental in getting Louisville back involved because that really got – um, the Louisville football fan base kind of riled up that, you know, Louisville, you know, by the scenes maybe wasn't interested, wasn't involved. And then the UK visit happened and all along, it just kind of felt like the momentum was going the wrong way. But in reality, they were doing what they had to do to build that relationship behind the seeds and ultimately get a commitment. And I think it's big, man, you get one and he plays well. And it's only a matter of time before they can get back to being a factory for kids here in Louisville. Oh, yeah, and we've talked about before how Louisville needs to do a little bit of a better job recruiting not only in-state but in the city. And I know I've said a few times the state of Kentucky is not like the state of Georgia or Alabama or Texas, Cali. Like They, they don't have that, that sort of uh, overall competition head-to-toe when it comes to high school football. But in any given class, you should at least try and go hot and heavy after the top guy in Louisville, like even if it's just one guy each and every year. And especially when that top guy – is a is a nearly top 300 prospect four-star guy at a position of need because i mean louisville Louisville needs help on the d-line if you could point to any position on on the uh the roster for louisville that needed the most help what what would you come away with defensive line is probably the first one that most people think of yeah so i mean if you take away malik knowing that he's leaving at some point quarterback but yes defensive line easily and that's why it felt so kind of like we're, we're above recruiting Louisville kids for the longest time with this one because it was like he's in your backyard and he's at the position you need the most help. How could you not recruit him? It just never really made sense, but they did. So kudos to them, you know? I mean, it's a big recruiting win that they can kind of hang their hat on now. Oh, yeah, and, and his recruiting tape is pretty good. And you can tell he's he's kind of raw, but he is 
extremely disruptive, explosive, athletic. He's got a lot of speed and agility for a guy of this build. He's a little bit undersized. He's 6'2", 215. He's going to be playing primarily in a three technique on the inside of the D-line. So you definitely want him to bulk up a little bit, and I'm not sure his frame will permit him to get to being quite to like a 300-pound plush type of inside defensive tackle. But just based off of you know potential alone, he has – he has the ability to become something great. Now, of course, that's, he's going to have to put in the work and do all that stuff like any other prospect recruit, what have you. But this is a big win for Louisville. Yeah, you pair him with Popeye Williams, Ashton Gelati on the defensive line. Yeah, yeah, Diaby still has got another year here. They've got some other pieces that are coming along. But you can kind of see the you know foundation being set there. Um, and what happens over the next several weeks as the season wraps up is going to play uh, a big part on whether – this all gets to kind of continue and at what rate, what pace. So um, big news for Louisville there. They now have got, uh, I've got it pulled up here, seven commitments in the class. Uh, the top two are four star, star defensive linemen. If you are not happy with that, go somewhere else because what else could we ask for at this point? Right. I mean, two, four star defensive linemen anchor your small class. And then you can, you know, sprinkle in the players that they are around them with guys like Caleb Johnson, who I still think might be Louisville starting quarterback next year. Um, and then, you know, some of the other guys, Isaiah Reed, a couple of the wide receivers that we talked about last week. So, all right, let's jump into the big three. Enough about uh, that there. A lot of good stuff. If you want to check out more information on that, uh, be sure to check out the Louisville report. Matt's got a lot of great stuff there on the website that he just published right before we went live here um, with all of that being live in person. So uh, check that out. Big three headlines. We are going to start where we always start. Matthew McGavick, Louisville report headline. Number one, my friend. Big, 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 big three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big three. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Etrell Clark out for season. And I know we're going to start the big three on a, such a positive, cheery note, right? But I mean, the, out of all the players on this roster that you could afford to lose the least, I think Malik Cunningham is probably number one. And number two has got to be Keetra Clark because not only is he the best asset in the secondary, he's arguably their best defender, period. CJ is really good. Monty is really good. But I think what Keetra Clark brings in coverage, just play after play after play. And I know he's been a little bit up and down this season, but we saw in that NC State game before he got hurt that he was playing phenomenally. I think he had four pass breakups before he ended up getting hurt on I don't want to say a fluky play, but he kind of caught a little bit of friendly fire from safety Quinterio Cole. And it was just an unfortunate chain of events to where like Cole kind of barely got in there when uh, Clark was making the tackle on Pink Penix of NC state and ended up tearing his ACL. And I think from the moment he got that injury, I, I could tell that it was, it was something bad because he was writhing in pain. He was yeah. audibly screaming. He could not put any pressure on that leg when he was, being taken to the sideline by the trainers. He had to get carted off eventually. Mm-hmm. So even before that news came out on Monday, I knew he was going to be gone for the year. And then this hurts Louisville. This hurts Louisville a lot because now, kind of like what Louisville did when they lost money in Montgomery, having to kind of retool the inside linebacking core and how they kind of approach there from, from a uh, play calling and a schematic standpoint. Now they kind of have to do a little bit with the secondary. Now they have a, f- a few more assets there than they do in the linebacking core, but it's still a very – the, the depth there is very young and relatively inexperienced because now 
their starting core is going to be a greedy fans who's played really well for a second year freshman. And then Chandler Jones has been kind of eh, this year to, to put it modestly. And, but uh, at nickel, you've got Trey Franklin, Trey Franklin moving in there. Who's played really well the last few games actually. Yeah. But then after you, your nickel, your nickel set, and we know Brian Brown likes to run a lot of nickel and dime sets. I mean, you've got all young guys back there. You've got Derek Edwards. You've got, can I walk? We've got Rance Connor. All those guys are true freshmen who, from here on out, are probably going to see relatively significant playing times just because of the, the sets that Brian Brown likes to run. Now, Lowell's still going to send pressure and send, have a lot of heavy front seven sets, but there's also going to be times where they drop some guys in the coverage and there's going to be some relatively young guys back there. And it's going to be interesting, interesting, uh, interesting to see how these guys respond going forward because I think this is going to be a chance for def- for offenses to attack this defense, knowing that this is not the secondary all- already was not a huge strength for the Silver team. But now it's even even more so not one just because they've lost their best asset. This falls to me um, on not falls on responsibility wise, but Chandler Jones has never been more important than what he will be moving forward with this yes. with this injury. He is now a guy who went from, OK, you know, he's struggling. We can move him around. We can do what we have to do to put him in successful spots. So now he's got to be the second guy or the first guy really um to make plays he's the veteran of that group and they're going to need him and he's just not played well all season i mean somebody needs to put out an apb for 20 2019 2020 chandler jones because this isn't the same guy um and i'm not sure why that is i'm hoping that this opportunity maybe vince you can speak to this but hoping this opportunity will give him a a chance to uh feel that uh, the being the guy again and maybe you know under that pressure that that kind of gets him turned around i I agree with you jacob i think that if uh, I think Chandler just is going to feel a lot more comfortable in this situation. Maybe, maybe not having that three three man rotation at him, Greedy and Trey. Well, not so much Trey, but more him and Greedy might make him ease him in a little bit, and make him feel a little bit more comfortable to ma- to make some mistakes, which can cause for him to make uh, some more plays. Just him feeling more comfortable and stuff. But I mean, we're going to need guys like uh, some of these some of these younger guys like Derek Edwards and Canal uh, Walker to step up and you know, hopefully do something in these nickel packages. Otherwise, we're going to be hurting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they'll get an opportunity this weekend against Clemson, an offense that has struggled to move the uh, the football and score. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> feels weird to say that out loud, but here we are. So, all right, headline number two, speaking of Clemson, uh, let's jump over to all Clemson of the Sports Illustrated Network there. Headline, Louisville looking for program changing, changing win over Clemson. We just talked about – um, the Tigers coming to town on Saturday. Obviously, there's been all kinds of hubbub about tickets and trying to get uh, fans into the seats to really pack the stadium there um, because it's been disappointing turnouts for the Boston College and uh, Virginia game, I believe, of the last two games at home. Um, you know, it's just not felt right. It, 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 you could it, I, I can't even really explain it to you being in both of those those, uh, you know, both of those games that it just didn't ever feel like that was a Louisville crowd. Like, I mean, we were rowdy. It was rowdy. It was loud, but very small. Felt like that the, the things were kind of starting to go the wrong way. And now NC State, you lose that game closely. Clemson comes to town. A lot of people are just really not interested anymore. And here we are with the coach, you know, practically saying, guys, we need this. This is a program-changing win for us. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Just speaks to the level of struggles that Clemson is having this season. I mean, when you – say that a, a program is going to have a potentially program changing win against Clemson, you would think that it would be the, the team playing Clemson and not Clemson themselves, just because we've seen what Clemson's done over the last decade. I mean, 
what is it, seven straight trips, six, seven straight trips. The ACC championship made every single college football playoff except the first one in 2014, uh, four national title appearances, I believe, and two chips. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they don't need a program-changing win. Their, pro- their program's there. If anyone needs a program-changing win, it'd be Louisville. So that just kind of speaks to the volume as of the struggles that Clemson has experienced this season, especially when it's not really a, a total team effort as it pertains to their struggles. It's one side of the ball. Their offense is atrocious. I, I'm with you too, Matt. I don't think Clemson needs a program-changing win. They're they're already there. But, you know, like you said, I, this win would be huge for Louisville. You're probably never going to get Clemson this down again. So this is your shot right here. I mean, whenever I was there, it was Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. That was miserable to go up against. So you're, you're just never going to get a Clemson team this down. You got to take advantage of it while it's still here. I try to tell you all, um, Matt specifically, that I thought Clemson was not going to be very good. I think the word I used for them was poo-poo at one point over this offseason. Um, my my personal favorite, cheeks. Cheeks, <laughs> right. But uh, Louisville's got a chance to get a victory, and it's one that will matter a lot. All right, headline number three, SB Nation Card Chronicle is the vehicle for this article. Connor Shea is the author. Louisville Bowl Projections. What gets you more jazzed up than the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Is it the Wasabi Fenway Bowl? That one gets your juices flowing, baseball guys? What about the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl? Can I interest you in a weekend trip to El Paso for New Year's? Mm. What about uh, the Military Bowl? A little little Navy action in Annapolis? Maybe catch a Lamar Jackson game in Baltimore? See, now now you're you're starting to sell me. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're starting to sell me a little bit. Maybe if uh, the ticket to that bowl game came with a package to a Ravens game, I think that It'd be a nice little setup for Louisville fans. If but, Louisville goes to the Mayo, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, I nominate Matthew to be our shirtless mayonnaise man. I do. I think you would play that role well. Hell no. No? You, First you, of all, I hate mayo. Mayo is disgusting. It's the most overrated uh, condiment sauce in the world. It's, it is trash. The only thing that's good in is tuna. Okay, let's be perfectly honest. And tuna is gross anyways. I don't mind mayonnaise on my cheeseburger. Get out of here. On a cheeseburger, it's not bad, but, like, people who put mayonnaise on, like, white bread on, like, a turkey sandwich, like, do you, like, do you not respect your taste buds? Like, what? what is- mayo and spice, uh, spicy mustard or, like, some horseradish? That- okay, but you don't need the mayo in that situation. I mean, maybe on, like, a Philly cheesesteak, which, like I said, speaking of Philly cheesesteak, I'm actually kind of feeling okay now. The Mountain Dew is gone. I'm not as burpy as I thought I would be. I feel content in my stomach, and I'm actually ready to start consuming some some beer here after this episode. There so, all right, back to the headlines. Bowl week, uh, our bowl season is ahead, and, uh, you know, no guarantee that Louisville's going to get there at this point. It certainly doesn't look like they're going to get a, a much above 500. Um, this weekend will go a long way in that. But uh, I don't even know what, what the question is here. Aside with, does this even get you excited, the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Well, I, I think beggars can't be choosers here because heading into the season, what was the narrative? This was more than likely a six and six team, maybe seven and five with an with absolute ceiling at eight and four. And look where we are now. We're right, Louisville's right at 500. And down the stretch, you've got four games left against Clemson, Syracuse, Duke, and Kentucky. And the way the metrics are looking now, um, yeah, the Clemson game is not very favorable, favorable but looking at FP plus and this, FP plus FPI and SP plus 
they actually favor Louisville in those final three games against Syracuse, Duke, and Kentucky. Now, that, that Syracuse game is probably going to be a little tougher than what we originally thought in the last few weeks because that running back, Sean Tucker, is the truth. Duke, Duke's trash, win. And then there's the Kentucky game. I mean, it's a rivalry game, so throw records out the window. But Kentucky's shown in the last week, and especially in that game against Mississippi State, that like they're vulnerable. They can be beat because it's not Talk only about that they, cheeks. <laughs> not only did they lose to Mississippi State, but they looked bad doing it. So it'll, it'll be interesting, interesting to see how they rebound to where it sets the tone for whether for the rivalry game down the down the stretch. But Louisville has the opportunity to go bowling. I mean, the likelihood of them going bowling is, is fairly high, and they even have a chance to go seven and five, which is what I predicted them to go on the season before heading into it. And it might not be the exact games that I predicted down the stretch, but the blueprint is there. And some of the speaking of bowl projections, some of the other bowls I've seen are the Fenway Bowl, like you mentioned, or the Pinstripe Bowl, which are two bowls that are in baseball stadiums. So I guess Louisville's trying to make a move to the AL East or something like that. Bunch of nerds. <laughs> I had to get that Bunch joke. I'm sorry. Well, shout out to Adam Duval, though. Shout out to Doovy. World Series ring, second year in a oh, row. You... Cardinals gotten a ring. Hold on, hold on. Is this a nickname or did you just make this up? Like, you no, that's that's his nickname, that okay. Doovy. I, I was like, is this like a first name basis type of deal? That's my boy Doovy. I know he called him that. Okay, all right. Uh, a whole bunch of people call him that. Okay. So you just don't like baseball. Gotcha. Vince, Purdue, Memphis, uh, Ole Miss, which I don't even – we're not going to include them for this. Uh, Oregon State, Washington, Minnesota. Any of those matchups excite you? Any one of those that uh, you kind of lean towards? No? Yeah, uh, Purdue. I'd love Purdue. to. I mean, I'd love no. the no. – Jeff Bromble. Yeah, no, I'd no, love, no, no, that, no, no, love no. that little matchup right there. I wonder no. who Steve Rummage cheers for in the Louisville Purdue game. I I might delete Twitter if Louisville is matched up with Purdue in, in a bowl game. I'm not going to be able to take off. I'm not going to be able to take the storylines. Yeah, the first time Purdue bowls. scores, Louisville fans fire Vince Tyree for not hiring Jeff Brom. This yeah. All right. Let's jump out of this, go into what uh, the world is calling the best segment in sports. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's Game Notes with Vincent Lacoco. We're going to take a look back at North Carolina State from this past Saturday. Louisville, obviously, again, falling in that one 28-13. That score does not indicate the closeness of this football game. I will not stand for it. If you did not watch that game, the score does not make it as close as it was. I promise you that. But, Vince, take us to the game. Put us on the field. What did you see on the film? What uh, what stuck out to you? So, just – Starting off on a little bit more of a positive note, because I know we'll get to the negatives later on. But uh, Jordan Watkins on his first opening touchdown, that was just picture perfect, beautiful, something you love to see out of your wide receiver, out of your second-year wide receiver, because it was really a heads-up move by Jordan. Uh, what had happened, there was a corner blitz on that play, and Jordan had just – all he had to do after recognizing that there was a corner blitz – with his route is just beat the safety with speed. That's where, you know, at the wide receiver position, everybody likes to talk about your get off. Uh, that's where your get off really comes into play. Cause those first three steps, he was able to get the gauge and realize, okay, there's nobody in front of me. I'm just going to take this, you know, take this with speed and beat the safety right here. So it was great to see him do that for our opening touchdown. Uh, Justin Marshall also had a good physical catch on an over route that I liked at, Justin isn't your curl runner. He had, I think, two balls thrown at him that were curls. And 
just seeing him coming out of his break on his curls, that's not his MO. We need to hit him on more over routes, deeper things, stuff where he can, you know, catch it with more of his body and be a little bit more physical. Do you think that that, do you think, uh, not to cut you off here, but do you think that's more out of necessity, the fact that they're dealing with injuries, right? Braden Smith's out, Jordan Watkins is obviously, Tyler Harrell, those are both more guys. I mean, Jordan Watkins on third down is that short yardage kind of guy, but do you think that they're they're trying to do that by necessity or is it trying to fit a square peg into a round hole type of deal? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think it's much necessity. I just think it's, you know, Justin is, uh, I think, I believe is the X, right, Matt? I feel like that's an answer you would know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Jordan, Jordan is the X. The thing's kind of got thrown in the shuffle yeah. up, but since Braden Justin, Smith went Justin's out. that big outside wire. You, you have to have a man because you can't just pull him out and say, "Oh, we're running curls, we're running slants right here." And you, you know, that gives away. every time he's out, that's kind of what you can expect. To whereas, if you leave him in right there, yeah, he might. You know, this might not be his best route, but Justin's still, you know, kind of the best one we have to put out there. Yeah. So riddle me this, Vince. Um, in that game, Watkins was the one that more often than not Malik was throwing those deep shots to. Why not Tyler Harrell in that situation? Is there was there like something schematic wise that NC State was doing to where Watkins was that guy or it seems like, like so fill me the, in there. The the thing with Tyler is as you all realize is all his stuff is him taking the top off of the defense. It's all deep shots, deep routes. You right. you very rarely have seen a ball thrown to Tyler or Tyler caught one like under 10 yards. Tyler Tyler's thing is, you know, taking it deep. And I feel like that I didn't pay much attention to it, but this is just kind of what I'm guessing is that NC State played off of him and kind of just got in their pedal, and it's easy to cover Tyler when you're doing that. Or if you get hands on Tyler at the same time, it, people don't realize if you get hands on somebody when they're running full speed, if you just give them a good, not even a full contact shove, but you just make contact with their shoulder or right at that hip, uh, the hip bone right there, it's easy to get them off track to where Malik could look at him, oh, he's covered or he's off his track turn boom and hit the next guy or something like that it makes sense because i mean he's he's the go route runner and then any any other variation of that he's quite frankly he's not very good at so like he's just going to run a nine route the entire time and i can see where like if so he is kind of thrown off not maybe not even press but just like downfield where they kind of act like he's covered i can i can kind of see that that that's where people uh whenever Tutu was coming out in the, in the draft, that's what everybody was talking about was, oh, what's going to happen if they get hands on Tutu at the second level? Or what's going to happen if a linebacker, that apex linebacker gets hands on him? Is he going to get thrown off his route? I feel like that was a lot of the, a lot of stuff happened with Tyler that game, but it was great to see, you know, Mr. Third down do his thing. And that, that first <laughs> opening touchdown was awesome. Uh, another highlight was Riger. Got, got a, I, Riger got that sack, right? That was, that was him. I was, I do not think he was credited for that. Uh, he did have a tackle. I think they I'm looking at it here. Yeah, they did not. They did not credit him for a sack, and they did not credit him for a forced fumble. Oh my gosh! Uh, all right. Well, he, he was in on that play, and it looked great. It was great seeing him in. So on some on some of the negatives, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the penetration on our outside zone plays, and it seemed like that was a lot of the stuff that was shutting us down. Uh, this week, their linebacking core at NC State was just killing us. It felt like they mm-hmm. were shooting the gaps and almost like bullets to where they were just beating us and hitting us five yards in the backfield. Uh, yeah, it, even with them being down their two top linebackers, 
it didn't feel like it because Drake sure Thomas did not was, man. Drake Thomas was playing like a man possessed. Like, I would like to have a trade for Drake Thomas. That's what I would like. I would like to have a trade. I don't know. I'm not not going to name names of who I would give up. That's not fair. But I do wish that Drake Thomas played for Louisville. I he, said that several times. He had one play uh, in the red zone that was just. You, you don't see many linebackers making this kind of play on Malik Cunningham in the open field for a sack, and it was it, it was wild because normally you see Malik just kind of make a move and run past these kind of linebackers, but he made he wasn't getting back. past Drake Thomas. No, yeah, he, he, he made it up front coming from the backside too, which was the crazy thing. Is he saw the whole entire our entire offensive line go left if you're on the offensive perspective. And then he just comes right off Trevor Reed's butt. And, I mean, it's right there in Malik. He arm tackles him, but, I mean, it's a sack's a sack at the end of the day. What else we got in the game notes this week? Blown coverages. It seemed like there were a significant amount of blown coverages by our defense on this touch on the touchdown plays. Uh, I think the one that just kind of sealed it, uh, it I, I, I couldn't even tell you who was supposed to be covering that guy, but it was just so bad. It seems like our guys are – you can just tell by their faces and their hand motions and the, with how they communicate pre-snap that one of them doesn't feel comfortable or something's off. And then you see it whenever it's happening during the play. And one last thing that I did not like was the officiating during that game. I think we all can <laughs> agree that the officiating in North Carolina is terrible. To Cheeks. Yes. Cheeks. A- I don't know what it is about this season, but maybe just haven't picked it up as much in years past, but I think, this season has been especially bad when it comes to officiating, especially with those games in North Carolina. You think they like not, that, man? You I'm really not would sure. think that they would like that they would like Satterfield. I'm not trying to put on my conspiracy theory hat, kind of wrap that little tin foil around my head and make a nice little pyramid. But am I crazy? Am I crazy to say that it seems like the officiating in a lot of these these games down down in the Tar Heel State have been awful? They've been they've been very very bad, but I will say the drive where Louisville had three penalties in a row were I mean that they, was they just were, NC State they, they're in their home environment that's what that was. Well, you had two face mask penalties from an offensive lineman from Adonis Boone back to back plays, both of which I mean he put his hand on the dude's face mask both plays. I I'd never heard him call a face mask. I thought it was like a hand, like a block to the face or something. Hands um, to and the face. then and then there was there was the I've forgotten what it was now, but the third penalty on that drive. Before then, NC State came back and started committing the same penalties on the defensive side. It was the weirdest thing in the world. But wasn't it was, some sort of holding call? If I, I remember correctly, yeah, it might have been, or like a like a legal procedure type of deal. Too many guys on the the line of scrimmage. It, it was just poor execution, and it's something that I've I've told you guys. It, it's literally the the difference in being seven and one is in and what four and three or whatever the record is now three and four. Four it's four. literally yeah four and four it's literally inches on these some of these plays and it's just so frustrating um yeah. but go ahead the one, the one that killed me penalty wise was uh sherman on the goal line i mean you, you can't be making mistakes like that at at that crucial of a moment for us in the ball game that that was what the opening drive guys that we get a mm-hmm. we get a false start penalty. i mean that set the tone for the entire game i mean they yeah. they don't commit a false start or even if james turner doesn't miss that gimme field goal the 24 yarder right afterwards i mean that changes the, the entire outcome of the game i literally i mean is does the defense stop nc state for six seven times in a row at that point we're not sure but i mean they they were playing well to start the game Maybe they continue on that, and maybe that execution on that first drive 
is enough to get things going on that side of the ball because, I mean, in, in between the game, they just looked flat. They looked, The offense looked flat for almost the entire game, especially heading into the fourth quarter. And I know there's been a lot of talk, especially from people around here, about performance in fourth quarter, which is valid. But the performance in the fourth quarter against NC State compared to the performance in the fourth quarter to against Virginia is kind of like comparing apples and oranges. Because at least in the Virginia game, Louisville had a lead. They had a 30-13 to 13 lead, and they just pissed the bed. Whereas in this NC State game, I, I kind of chalked it up to just the defense holding out and holding out and holding out and holding out as long as they could for the offense. And the offense just couldn't make hay with it. And they just they couldn't hold it together any longer. So yeah. I, I, I don't think that fourth quarter performance against NC State is – that bad it, it's I mean it's not great when you get out scored 21 to three in the fourth don't get me wrong but that that didn't scream collapse like it has in earlier games this season and the the thing is is I don't I don't think it was very bad play calling at all I think it was more of no? bad offensive line performance to where Malik you could see it by the the end of the game he was a completely different color jersey than the rest of the players out there on the field the dude yeah, was getting that drilled every other play and yeah he had ran the ball 15 times for whatever yards halfway through the fourth quarter but what what I'm saying is he he missed on the deep balls where he had a good pocket and the ones that he did not I mean he even missed on the ones where he had a bad pocket as well it was just not a good deep ball day for Malik at all and it hasn't been a good deep ball year for him yeah and Malik kind of struggled in that game a little bit honestly not just in terms of you know throwing the ball but I think this was the first instance all season where Malik kind of abandoned his stay in the pocket for as long as he can mentality and kind of devolved a little bit to his first read, maybe second read, then take off. Now, now granted a lot of, a, a lot of that was due to NC state was getting pressure, but even on plays where he had a relatively clean pocket, or at least he had an Avenue to stand in, he still found himself like saying, okay, first read, Okay, I'm gonna run now. I, I noticed that early on in the game, and it didn't really change. That that's the challenge of playing. Like NC State comes out in a three down defense. I, you, you just don't know where that pressure is going to be coming. They could completely be shown on one side, but in all reality, they're just going to send it on the other side and rotate everybody post that. And it's just it's they're a very challenging three down defense. They're one of the better ones in our conference. I mean, I put them right up there with. They're not as good as Clemson's traditionally been defensively, but they're just, you know, they're probably the tier down when I think three down defense in our division. I mean, statistically, NC State has one of the better, was arguably a, a comparable defense to Clemson. Yeah. So maybe maybe we got a taste in that game on, of what to expect this weekend. I'm not going to outright say that, but I mean, Clemson's, Clemson's got a good defense and they've got a really damn good man in the middle at, uh, in James Skowski, that middle linebacker there. He is a, he's a stud. Yeah. To say it lightly. Here's a here's a troubling stat. Uh, this is from Mark Ennis from last week uh, for Louisville football. In the fourth quarter of the Virginia and NC State games, Louisville has been outscored 42 to 6. In the last three games that they have played in, the fourth quarter has been 49 to 13. We we talked a lot about how much improved depth there was and how you know they weren't gonna wear out in the in these games. And yet here we are seeing in the fourth quarter, is it is it depth or is it um what what is it? What what is Louisville just stumbling over late in these football games? I, I think some of it has to do with depth. 
I don't want to say it has to do with conditioning, but I mean, when you've got younger players, I mean, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for them to actually, you know, truly get going. And it's towards the end of the season. It's getting into the point where injuries are starting to pile up. Players are getting dinged up. And and I hate to go back to this line because it's not completely accurate, but there's 70 freshmen on this team. No, no, no. We said we weren't going to do that. I I know, I know, Matt, I know, I know, I know, I know. We we're not going to do that. But it is a young team, Jacob. I, I, I hate myself for saying this. I know it's in completely coach speak and cliche, but by and large, there are a lot of younger guys on this team. Okay. COVID well, freshmen or not, there's not a, there's not a ton of upperclassmen like your juniors or your seniors. There's some guys here and there, but if you look at Almost every position group on this de- on this roster, it's dominated by younger guys. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's just I hate I hate that. I don't want to. I, I know because it's a be it's that. a cop out. I, I, it is a cop out, I, and I'm not running away from that. But it's not completely wrong either. Yeah. So throughout the the beginning of the season, um, and a couple of weeks ago, we highlighted this. I think when we did our position grades, there was a a lot of receivers getting involved in Louisville's offense. Yeah, I think it was like seven guys that had 10 catches or more uh, and like six guys that had caught a touchdown, something something kind of off the wall like that. Um, and in these last two games, I mean, 11 receptions for the receivers, um, three of which are from Marshawn Ford. I should say the pass catchers, three of which are from Marshawn Ford. One is from Hassan Hall and one is from Jalen Mitchell. That leaves you with five, six catches by your wide receivers. That, I mean, that's not winning football like Right? Can we all agree on that? That's not winning football. Yep, I agree. Okay, no, I agree. Right. That seems simple I mean, to me then. So what? What <laughs> did? What do we learn? What do we learn? What does Louisville learn from NC State um, as we wrap this up here? Uh, Vince's game notes and start looking ahead to Clemson. What does Louisville have to change to win a football game? I I think I, I mean we need to quit. Turning the ball over. I mean, Malik has thrown an interception in what the past two games, I believe. He's thrown multiple interceptions. Uh, offensive line play needs to get a little bit better. I I just hate this past game seeing Malik throw like like we talked about. I you haven't seen him this uncomfortable since the Ole Miss game, probably where he's looking at his first read and he's going to look to run. You got to give him time in the pocket. Malik needs to start hitting his deep balls when they're there. There were multiple times throughout that game. Uh, just two plays off the top of my head that. He could have flattened the route off to Jordan on a deep ball, and I believe the other one was to Tyler, uh, where he could have just threw it a little bit more flatter and probably would have been a completed ball. So those couple things right there, and then obviously clean up what we have defensively and try and fix that secondary position. It's going to be tough with Trey out. The younger guys are going to have to step up, and we're going to need more from Chandler Jones. It's good to know that this isn't your, you know, going to beat you by 40 Clemson team, but I still (laughs) – don't feel confident that this is a game that Louisville is going to win. I, I just, I look at the stats, which let me go ahead and plug this for Matthew, uh, tell the tape predictions, <laughs> stats, and everything else that you need for Louisville football versus Clemson on the Louisville report of sports illustrated network. Um, I look at the stats and, and Clemson just is not good. 114th total offense, 114th scoring offense, 112th in passing yard, 123rd in yards per completion. Um, I mean, the comparable offense, I, I mean, Louisville hasn't played an offense yet that's been that's been bad, I don't think. And they have an opportunity here to to win, but I just don't think 
that I've seen enough yet to predict that they will. And I think that's most Louisville fans right now. I, I think I'm in that same boat too. I was actually talking to uh, uh, my buddy, Zach Lance over at all Clemson, the guy who you pulled that article from earlier. And I was just kind of chatting with him. I've actually got an interview with him. It's going up tomorrow. And I just straight up asked him, why is the offense struggling so much? And a lot of it, while DJ Uyunglele is, you know, not performing all that well. That was but... impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> casual name. That, that just was great. Right. That was awesome. <laughs> we I did this tr- like in one of the episodes, it. he was trying to teach me how to say it. And I still couldn't say it. He takes I, a lot of pride. Yeah. He takes a lot of pride in the fact that he can get it right. Hey, I, I was just, I was not going to bask and I was going to keep going, but anyways, he said the bigger issue for Clemson, was not out of their quarterback. It was because their offensive line, because unlike uh, Clemson teams in the past, they do not have continuity on this offensive line. I'm trying to pull up the stat. Now this year, they've only had the same offensive line across the board twice. Wow. So they've shuffled linemen in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And it's allowed a ton of pressure on DJ and it's not allowed their running backs to, you know, get as big as holes that, that they had in the past. Granted, Travis Etienne, Travis Etienne in there anymore. They've now, kind of resolved to, you know, I think third or fourth year back, Lynn J. Dixon and true freshman Will Shipley. Okay. But, like, this is not the Clemson offensive old. Like, they're, they don't have as recognizable dudes on that side of the ball as they have in years past. Wasn't there, like, a set of Shipley brothers that played at Texas, like, five or six years ago? Am I, am I imagining things? Maybe? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't I'm almost so. positive there right. was. No, I think you're no. right. Jay. I think I'm right. I think I'm right. I think that there was some other Shipley's. Because I now that you say that, I'm like, I remember that from somewhere else. But look, he's impressive, man. He is like a, a, a I hate to say this obvious comparison, but he's like a little Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he just does a little bit of everything. You look at him and you don't expect him to be um, a guy able to make the plays that he does. And sure enough, I mean, he's been one of the very few bright spots for Clemson and Louisville stopping the run. I mean, it's it's been hit or miss. I thought they did a, you know, a somewhat decent job with Bam Knight and Ricky Pearson. But um, I think they know. did a phenomenal job because both Knight and Pearson are really good backs. NC State has probably one of the better in running back duos in the conference. Yeah. And they yeah. were held well under 100 yards combined. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So Louisville even played above expectation there. Um, but can you do it again? Can you handle, you know, going up and playing against, you know, the highest of the highest in competition? Um, one thing I'm a little bit worried about and, uh, you, you know, you guys will probably be like, no, don't worry about that. No, that's not the case. And then we'll be talking about this next week. Um, you know, in this game, it's easy to say, oh, this isn't the same Clemson as normal. Like this isn't the 11 and one, 12 and 0 Clemson. And we've seen Louisville use the word complacency a lot this season. A lot of players, oh, not a lot. Several players have mentioned we weren't, you know, we weren't ready. We weren't up to the, you know, we weren't thinking this way. We weren't ready for that. And I just worry with a, a Clemson team that has struggled, maybe Louisville thinks that they're a little bit uh, further ahead than maybe what they are. And it allows them, you know, it kind of puts them at a disadvantage. I know it, it seems like that wouldn't happen. See, I'm going to interject there because even, even with the recent fourth quarter struggles, I mean, they know that they're trying, they're making an active effort to fix those. But, and, and Jalen Mitchell straight up said it in his press conference earlier this, this week, Clemson is Clemson. They still got a, a lot of dudes on there. Granted, it's not, come all together like it has in years past. But on that defense, I mean, they've got like a top two, three defense in the ACC. 
They've got some guys on offense who can make, as Brian Brown put it earlier this week, sports center-esque type plays. Like there's potential there. It's just not happening with the frequency that we're used to. Like Clemson still has four and five star depth. I mean, and they, they've been injury ridden all year. Like they've lost guys left and right. Uh, first one that comes to mind for me was Brian Brise, the defensive tackle in the middle. I think he was like the freshman of the year in the ACC last year, if I remember correctly. Like he, he's one of like multiple guys who are gone. I think the stat that I saw earlier today that I believe from their preseason depth chart, like 17 or 18 guys are either hurt or dismissed from the team. I think that was the stat that came to mind. I might be a little bit off on that one, but I mean, you get the gist there. Yeah, they, they've been they've been hit hard by the injury bug, so that might play a little bit into it. But then again, Louisville Short, their best blitzer, and Louisville Short, who was going to be their starting wide receiver, and arguably who was going to lead the team in receiving yards. So everyone's kind of banged up at this point. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think the the defense for Clemson can Malik Cunningham take advantage of the deep shots? Can he connect on more than one? Can he? Um, you know, get more through the air, connect on uh, with different receivers and not just lock in on Watkins and Ford um, against a defense that has been, you know, pretty, pretty stout. I, I know they're not the Clemson defense of normal um, and the stats are, you know, they're, they're fine. Um, but can he kind of rise above that and have a, a game? I'll tell you guys, I'm going to make this prediction right now. I think Malik Cunningham might play the best game of his career on Saturday. I just, really? I, just have, I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling because I think he's the difference here. I think he's the difference, and he has to be more than just a runner. He has to be a passer in this game to be able to win. I think the potential is there um, for this to be a really, really special night for Louisville. We've talked about it a little bit this week, and, and I just I, I think he is going to be the difference. Now, can the defense keep them in the game? Can they avoid big boneheaded plays? I don't know, but I just have this feeling like, this is the moment where Malik kind of puts his stamp in the program. Think about it. Louisville's never beat Clemson, guys. Oops, this is and Malik's probably last year at Louisville. No, he's got another year of eligibility technically, but this is probably Malik's last year. Um, this is a, a program. Uh, this is a player-defining legacy type of win, right? I know it's not Clemson of normal, but Malik Cunningham really has the chance to kind of su- submit his resume as one of the all-time great Louisville quarterbacks to be able to say, I – was the difference in getting Louisville the first, potentially the first win against Clemson. No, I can see that. But if I'm going to choose anyone to have the game of their life, that's going to be on the defensive side, considering the offense has struggled so much. But I could see an avenue for Malik to have a potentially big day. And I'm actually going to say probably throwing the ball because in talking to Zach, not to get too terribly much into it, but he said that the secondary for Clemson has had some troubles with eye discipline. So if they're watching the wrong receiver and Malik is able to stay disciplined on his part and find his guys down the field and finally connect on some of those deep shots, I, I, I could potentially see it happen. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if it did. I, I think the offensive line is going to have to have the game of their life. I think we're, we're going to definitely have to establish – you know, the ground game, uh, Salski, whatever his last name is. James, that, that uh, dude, James Skalski. 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 That dude is a beast. I mean, he's what, like a six year linebacker. He was leading the PLPs for Clemson in the offseason a couple of times to where they just let the players go run it. Uh, I, I think the O line's just going to have to, they're going to have to protect Malik and they're going to have to establish the run game. 
Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's a, it's just an interesting game all the way around. There's there's a lot of implications here, a lot of recruits coming into town. Um, I've I've been kind of following um, some of the reporters here and seeing you know this four star in the class of twenty three, this four star in the class of twenty two. So it's good to see um, Satterfield and them really putting emphasis on this game. Now, here's what you can't do: you can't go out here and get your ass kicked because. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> that is certainly not what you want to do when you've got a bunch of four stars in the building. That will definitely yep. put a little bit less seriousness to your recruiting battle there. Um, but let's let's talk about um, let's do this two ways. Here we're going to give our predictions, um, score, and the MVP of the game for Louisville. Matthew, hmm. go ahead. I, I want to choose Louisville. If if Louisville, if there was ever a chance for Louisville to beat Clemson to be this year, but until it happens. I have a hard time seeing it. And like I said earlier, while Clemson is struggling, they've still got a bunch of dudes. I think, I think Clemson comes out on top 21, 17. And if I had to choose an MVP for Louisville, I would say, Oh Lord, this is, this is a tough one. I will say, you know, I'm going to say Trey Franklin. Okay. Because I like it. Because DJ hasn't had a huge propensity to throw interceptions, but he's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. So I, I could see him possibly seeing how Louisville secondary is its tour spot right now, especially with Kentrell Clark out. And he might want to take a few more deep shots than normal. And especially if Louisville's in like a nickel or dime set, Trey's going to be likely on the field. And maybe he'll want to go his way. And Trey, Trey's performed really well over the last three, four games. He's had a, a pair of picks, uh, several PBUs. So, yeah, I'm going to go with him. Okay. I like it. What do you, what do you got, Vince? Uh, I also think we're going to lose. I'm going to go with uh, Clemson. <laughs> Clemson 24, us uh, 10. That's just Clemson. Just getting straight to the point. Yeah, we lose. Wow. Yeah. Vince is tired of his prediction to 14. Louisville winning by 14 being wrong. He went the other way. Louisville's losing by 14. That's my analysis. Damn it. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, like, like we've been saying, that at the end of the day, it's still Clemson. They're littered with four, five stars all over the place. I just – their offense hasn't been clicking, and you know, I I don't think, you know, I think their defense is is still a very stout defense that you're gonna have to go through. Uh, MVP for us, I, I'm not. I guess I'll just go with the O line, like I just spoke about. <laughs> the entirety of the offensive line, they're gonna have to have a huge game in order for us to even have a shot in this, and you know, establish the run game and protect Malik. You can't be having your quarterback. Uh, looking like he did last game and thinking you're going to come out of there with a win. I can guarantee you one thing is that if Louisville's offensive line is the MVP, they will not be scoring 10 points. That will, that's that is <laughs> L, very much LVP material there. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. I, I I've been sitting here this whole episode trying to figure out where I land with this. I've talked myself now into beating Clemson twice, losing to Clemson several times. But here's what I look at, okay? And if you just take away that it's Clemson, which I know that's a dangerous game to play here, and you just look at the points scored on the season and points allowed, Louisville has scored more uh, than than 14 points in every game but one this season, okay? Last week, 13 points. It's the lowest scoring output of the season. Even against Ole Miss um, and Wake Forest, Virginia, they scored 30 points just about in all those games except for Ole Miss. If you go look at Clemson, okay? I'm going to read this to you. Three points. 14 points. This is points scored, okay? 21 points, 19 points, 17 points, 17 points, 30 points. 
Like I, I completely understand what we have talked about in Clemson's defense, Louisville's weakness, Louisville's defense, struggling a lot of injuries. Louisville's beating Clemson this weekend, fellas. I'm going to tell you that now. Louisville is going to beat Clemson. I'm going to go 27 to 21 Louisville. This is the game where they come in. Clemson comes in thinking, uh, you know, we're, we're going to win this game. This is just a bounce back game. We before state last week. We get it rolling. Louisville always has been the team that allows teams to get back, to get back to feeling comfortable, to feel like themselves. Louisville's going to make things uncomfortable for Clemson. Um, the run defense, you talked about it against NC State. Clemson's going to want to run the football with the quarterback. They're going to want to run the football with Shipley. They're going to want to run the ball with Lynn J. Dixon. Louisville's defense can stop the run. We know that, right? Yes, we know that. We know yeah. Louisville can stop yeah. the run. Yeah, they've, they've done pretty well the last few weeks. Dorian Jones is a thumper, man. Like okay. Dorian Jones, Marvin Dallas, Jack Fago, CJ Avery. Marvin Dallas needs more playing time. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Over, yeah, we're gonna, over Jack? I don't care where. Just put him I on the field. I don't care. He, bro, he, he, he hits. I'm with you. I, 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 I mean, really okay, Jacob, edit this out later. He hits motherfuckers like it's no, nobody's business. He lays the, no, he no, lays no, the wood, that. man. No yeah. doubt. Marvin's a freak. I've, I've been telling you all year on the special teams. He's just a freak of an athlete. Yeah, he got it. Sounded like he played a little bit more defense this past weekend. I know he made a couple of plays out there, but no, the, the run defense has been sensational. And though Clemson has dudes, um, NC State had dudes, and you guys, you, you corrected my, my bad stat keeping there earlier, but Louisville took care of business and they lost Clark. I'll give you that. But um, Clemson's not a throwing offense this year. They're not. They're not. Louisville's pass rush is good enough to get there. Will they? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. They've not done perfect by any means, but they've played better. Malik Cunningham has played two games that back-to-back just haven't been that good. And uh, he's made mistakes, three interceptions in those games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's just not been himself. I think this is a game where he can take advantage of the uh, Clemson defense that's been just kind of average. That, Like I said, Clemson has not scored a lot of points this season. They've given up you know, 28, 30 points a game. Uh, and they pull a couple of games out. Luckily, they're not that good. Okay. And I know Louisville's not great, but Louisville's offense has outgained their opponent in almost every single game this season outside of a few. So I feel confident Louisville's offense is better. Louisville wins. I I forget what the score was that I predicted. 27, 21, I think is what I said. I think so. I can't, I can't freaking wait, man. I think it's going to be a good weekend and I'm hoping on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's going to be recruit commits, recruit commits, recruit commits. And next week we have an episode where we're talking about a couple of four-star guys being Louisville commits now, right? Wouldn't that be nice? That would be, and, and then we can stop this nonsense narrative that this class is trash. That's correct. We can absolutely do that. All right, appreciate you guys tuning in. This has been a great episode. Final update. I feel fine. I, I've sat <laughs> here the whole episode. Uh, I think I'm about an hour removed now, just about from eating the sandwich in its entirety, and it is settled. And I'm definitely uh, going to get beer and enjoy it. I'll tell you that. So. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, Matt, Vince. Great seeing you guys. You can, as always, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore McGavick. The Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated is where you can find his work. If there's anything Louisville sports related, Matt has it covered there on the site. And then, of course, Vincent Lacoco. Vincent Lacoco is the Twitter handle. You can follow him for all of your football analysis. And you can follow me, Jacob Lane, 08, stateofthelouisville.com, State of Louisville Podcast Network. Don't you throw your like shirt <laughs> hand away from me? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> 
what would y'all do without me? There wouldn't be any good fun stories about smashing sandwiches on the way home, right? You would you would be left without the fun from the show. Can you at least give us one good burp since you were like complaining so much how you're gonna have that one coming? Come on. no, give, give us one. No, because I have to force it and it'll be a sissy burp, and I don't want my first burp on the show to be judged by how poor it is. Okay. If it's gonna be a burp, I have to go all out. And I just it's not there right now. I don't want to force it. All right, rain check then. Don't force it. That'll be the name of the episode. Malik, don't force the football. Don't force the burps. We'll catch you guys next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.